0: what's up it's your pal when she gets thawticus and this is the bar is low every episode we take a look at a fan fiction or a collection of fics and these can be either good bad or in between but mostly they're bad Let's get some announcements out of the way first. I just finished my school year, and yeah, I know, I finished super early, so that means I don't have to record in my dorm anymore. I get to record at home where I'm more comfortable, there's less background noise and all that shit. I know the sound quality hasn't been at its best for the last few episodes, and I aim to remedy that. I can more easily re-record stuff here, and I don't have to worry about anyone singing opera in the hallway or flushing the toilet in the bathroom connected to my room, or if my roommate might walk in on me describing in detail Violet Parr's uterus falling out of her body. Yeah, Violet's uterus fell out of her body last episode. But anyway, I'm hoping that being at home will help out my recording situation and the sound quality will improve. The actual episode, you know the drill fellas, Let's talk about some underappreciated pairings from Avatar. Today's fucked up ometer rating is an 8 out of 10 and I give it this rating mostly for the last fic. Nothing too graphic today, but we're still out there with the non-con and minors depicted in sex. Without the last fic, though, I'd give this like a 6 or a 7. It's not the darkest episode we've done, especially, you know, not recently. So we'll start off pretty light on the sexual content, and the last two fics we do will be smut. Mostly straight pairings today, but of course there will be gay and lesbian ships. Otherwise, I would have to somehow find a way to disown myself. So, uh, there isn't a lot of Roku, and fic out there, even though they had mad chemistry, but that's, you know, because they only got like one episode. This one's not very shippy, but the other has a bunch of other more explicitly romantic or sex Actual fix of them. I think I chose this one because it reminds me of that stupid ass fic that stuck me with my stupid ass OTP. Grumpy Fire Lord. Snow. Homoerotic undertones. That's my shit apparently. This takes place after Roku gets back from his mega cool avatar training and he reunites with Sozin. A lot of shit's changed and they're both responsible adults now with important jobs but they're still buds and they're just a little bit gay. Just, Just a little bit. Just a little gay. Some lines from this. Can their air nomads fly by flapping their arms? Nah, you gotta flap your arms and your legs, dumbass. Are fire lords not allowed to laugh? Only once a week. And it just suddenly, but like very briefly, talks about Susan's daddy issues in the narration it's been a while like did they even mention that in the show that he has daddy issues does he have daddy issues like it would be unsurprising if he did or is this just totally out of nowhere i don't know why this is here but eventually Susan's like hey show me what you learn and roku's like um this avatar business is some serious stuff yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Let's fuck. I mean, fuck around. So he introduces Susan to snow and he's like, "What the fuck is this? Was it for? Why does it crunch?" And I want to say this was like to live in California, but we have like mountains here and shit, so not really. So it's like even worse than being a Californian. More weather ignorant. So, Roku does have to explain what snowballs are, and of course this ends up with him throwing a snowball at Sozan, who's a little fucking bitch, and his reaction just so dramatic, he tries to protect himself with firebending from a snowball. That whole family, just so extra. And it goes into this whole thing about how well-trained he is, but he just fucking falls on his face trying to retaliate because he's never walked on snow before. Oh, Roku was like, it's just your face. I was going to be all like, yeah, that's what I was like," said to Zuko, but then I realized that he was talking about a facial expression, not getting hit in the face with something. Yeah, we out here making <laughs> child abuse jokes. So they have a snowball fight and it's all wholesome until you remember that Susan committed genocide. My God, though. The way they describe the snowball hitting Roku's face and maybe I'm looking a little too far into it but the subtext it's almost like he took a big old cream pie and I mean like a wet slap not necessarily cream pie-esque but it it, it definitely feels sexual in nature this one I'm just gonna read it because it's short and it's a good time (laughs) the author's notes I can't I don't even there is no excuse for this story and I'm ready to be kicked out of the fandom now here we go the boulder feels conflicted about seducing a young, naive girl. Tough snorts. It's not a very ladylike sound, but with the way she's pinning him down with her lies, he somehow can't bring himself to mind. Right. Naive, she says, if that's what it takes to get you off. The boulder gets over his conflicted feelings pretty fast. Even if she was ever naive, it's pretty obvious that she's not really a girl anymore. The parts of her body that are pressed against his are all women, that's for sure. He slides his fingers up her skirt, and she lets out a little hitched gasp. It's really a shame that she can't appreciate the sight of his perfect physique, he thinks. Though, judging by the way she practically devours him with her hands, she more than makes up for it with her sense of touch. He flexes a little for her benefit oh that's she's grinding down in earnest on his leg now and he can feel her growing wetness against his skin it turns him on like crazy so in no time at all he's as hard as a don't say it she mourns i swear if you make a single comment about rocks i will be out of here so fast it'll make your head spin Both of them. And because the boulder is actually not as dumb as he looks, he shuts up and grips her hips in both hands as she lowers herself agonizingly, torturously slowly onto him. I always knew you could be put to better use outside the ring, Rocky, she says, slightly breathless. Once he's fully inside her, and while he's still too busy staring at the glorious sight above him, she begins to move. He may never beat her in a fight, he knows, but he'll take his victories where he can get them, and when her hitching breath turns into low, long moons and she shakes like an earthquake under his fingers he feels an awful lot like a champion anyway (laughs) oh my god i love how she just was like no, you can't fucking make any fucking puns. Dearest author, please don't feel guilty. First of all, this is a wonderful piece of art. Second, there are a lot nastier things in this fandom. Like, there was another one of this pairing that was much more serious, but I opted to cover this one instead because this is my type of shit right here. You did a service to your community. This needed to exist. Bless your soul. Okay, this next one. So would be like, so, uh, Pian this dude, he wanted me to write poetry and paint shit, therefore, that gives me the right to snoop through his poetry and drawings and find stuff that definitely wasn't intended for man, then that I will regret finding. One day, he starts going through Pian shit because he's a very naughty boy, and he finds some sensual drawings of perhaps a Fire Nation Navy man, and some erotic poetry about Mystery Man, and then some love letters to Mystery Man, and these ones actually have a name on them, and he's like, oh, fuck. Oh shit, it's Jiang Jong. And nothing happens for a while with that. But a few months later, when everyone's celebrating the end of the war, Sokka's just like being a terrible dancer, and then Piano has to show him how to do shit. So Piano gets whatever his, I don't know what, what is the gay male equivalent of a gal pal? I'm only familiar with gal pals. I like, guess just guys being dudes, dudes being guys, guys being gay, you know? Show me your dick, Steve. And Sokka's like, what the fuck? What is this? What's happening? But Piano knows that he's just snooped through his shit, and he's not like, oh no, not the gays. Uh, Jiang is, like, super fucking grumpy about this. Like, we're gonna get killed unless Zuko changes the gay laws. You're gonna get arrested for deserting the military if you get arrested for anything. The next chapter, I don't even know why there is another chapter, but, like, I'm a fan because there's just one line that just, I don't know, killed me for some reason. The next chapter, Jiang Zhang drinks some cactus juice because, you know, you gotta have that sometimes. This is the quote. I fell. I can't get up because I have no legs, Jiang Zhang said, looking mildly inconvenienced fucking it's just the same is how i feel every day and i, I mostly i covered the fake because i wanted to say that line fucking just yeah i don't have any legs whoops just mildly inconvenienced jung jung says oh Piando, i just want your d and their servants just like I'll just pretend I didn't hear that. Their servant's literally named Fat. That's a terrible name. And it ends with Hendo drinking something too. And he's like, hmm, this tea tastes kind of, uh, quenchy. Oh, fuck. So we didn't get to see that fun stuff and what other no legs jokes await us. Sad to me. This next fix a little bit darker. I guess instead of getting murdered, Kaya just gets held captive by the Fire Nation and thrown in jail. And you boy, Skinny P. I nice yeah. You know he likes to smash because you see here in the avatar fandom we like to fetishize races that don't even exist namely the water tribe motherfuckers this fake does dial up back with the sex relatively speaking uh, there's a lot of focus on just the conditions of her imprisonment comparing things how they started off to how they are now it skips to one time when he's burning her when they're having sex but it's by accident i started get hyped because i thought there was going to be some penis firebending but for kai's Thankfully, there's no pee in his firebending. She knows that he comes by just to let off some steam. And and this time she's like, huh, uh, you keep calling me Ursa. You know that, right? Uh, You want to tell me who that is? And Oza is all like, um, excuse me, (laughs) bitch. Kaya's like, uh, she's someone you want to hurt, huh? And he's just like fucking screeching because he's been found out and he's a little bitch. So Kaya figures out that Ursa is probably someone close to him. And her two guesses, his wife or his daughter. I feel like I should be more horrified that she thinks maybe, yeah, this guy's calling me his daughter's name when he fucks me, but there's only really so much fun for the whole family I can do before that stops being shocking to me. Like, God, there's so much Zula Ozai out there. It's fucking terrifying. But still, in this non-incest context, I thought that it was weird that she thought that. I wanted her to think that he had mommy issues, though, and that he was calling her his mom's name. That would have been pretty great. I don't know. one aspect Aspect of this fic i did have difficulty believing is that it was like uh, you know the fucking fire lord has to sneak around if he wants to fuck the prisoners i feel like he could just do whatever the fuck he wants i also love that it says kaya had just about given up all hope of seeing her daughter or her husband again like what about Sokka? no nah, fuck that kid i don't give a fuck about his ass the way this ends though kaya's just talking to her cellmate like why don't they kill us and the other woman's like yeah they just enjoy degrading us and taking on all their anger i mean everyone knows that ozai is a little shit dick with a terrible marriage and he hates his son too and it just ends with a nobleman coming into fuck and a cellmate basically just shrugs at kyle like guess i'll die as she strips down for this dude this also made me realize that adult on adult rape dubious consent kind of it's not that horrible to read because the part is so fucking low oh my god so I guess it's only fair we do a Hakoda Ursa fic after that, which isn't dark because Oze ain't in it. Catch him fucking ruining almost everything he sets foot in. This fic is basically just Katara like kind of just dissociating and Zuko's just sitting next to her and she's like, hey, um, my dad is marrying your mom. What the fuck is up with that and she's all pissed about it because it's not kaya it's not her mom that her dad's gonna be with and zuko's like okay maybe like calm down stop being pissed about this for a moment i wasn't thrilled that my mom just came home and then she started screwing some other guy and that cut into her spending time with me who hasn't seen her for years but i just want her to be happy because i'm a fucking puppy dog also your dad is like cool and not a rancid piece of shit ursa's bar it's low <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) that's like pretty much the whole fake always love me some awkward situations like that the main characters of the show have like some pretty hot parents i'll fight you on that love to see them kids being all like oh god our parents are all fucking each other that's nasty some some spicy pilf action would would really do it for me here but there's there's no porn to be found in this fake still i like them just being uncomfortable and shit it's fun so this next week we get to some slightly longer stuff everything here got moved up a season by which i mean Aang's alleged death zuko's return to the fire nation and ira's imprisonment that's all happens at the end of season one now Yue is stuck living in the fire palace being like not even a human but as always a passive receptacle for other people a, a doll as they put it azula takes her out on a walk like she's a fucking dog or something and is and like hmm gotta take a break from my poetry that i'm writing which is like the only thing i know how to do and i'm not even that good at it i feel like that sometimes too like i have a few things that i do and i'm not even good at them like that's a mood and like azula and ua are married because azula wanted a hot foreign wife and she was not to be denied like look at that the fire nation may be awful and oppressive but look at them letting gay people marry each other and just exist in the public eye also, every time Yue survives the North Pole siege, she just gets married off to someone. The Fire Nation just like, yeah, we want this princess as a symbol of our victory. Like, first to Zhao in the last Rare Pairs episode, now Azula. This poor girl, she's not allowed to have her own identity. It sucks. But Yue has Azula all figured out. Azula's all like, you are so pretty, wife. And Yue's like, no, you. Because she knows that's what Azula wants to hear. Azula also really, really wants to read Yue's poetry, but Yue's like, no. Oh, it's so bad no babe no also i don't like fucking anyone reading my shit before it's done sometimes like not at all this section uh, is just a big oof i like the characterization here oh here's a quote Azula was always in control always perfect and strong without hint of vulnerability except when they were alone together nestled in the bed under the covers Azula's hair was out of its flawless top knot and billed out in a dark cloud around her face which looked fresh and playful without the heavy makeup she always wore to make herself look older she looked at Yue with an undisguised admiration what the Water troy princess imagined must be similar to the way a girl would look at her elder sister whom she wanted to emulate on some level Azula knew that she had already lost Manti Lee with Yue. She was determined to do this right the first time, which was why Yue's heart nearly broke when Azula drifted off to sleep, leaving Yue free to slip away into the night with a scroll tucked into her robe. She would not be gone for long, and Azula would find her right where she left her, folded safely into the bed when the sun illuminated the horizon. So what is doing is relaying secret messages in her poetry for Ira, like, fuck yeah, mm. it ends with a scene of them together and he's telling her to send some shit to Pian Dao and then to write something down to Zuko for him. Some spicy political intrigue, how about that? i liked this fake and, and fucking now fuck i'm shipping you and azula fuck this why is every pairing I like a rare pair it's fucking it's cursed i'm cursed azula like genuinely not wanting to fuck things up though like i almost feel bad for her i mean she did kidnap someone and force them into marriage so that's why i i don't feel bad for her but oh there's a little element of wholesomeness in there that maybe broke my dumb gay heart a little bit fuck This next one is a surprise pairing. Tough is a cop for some reason. Fuck that shit. What the hell Toph? I thought you said fuck the establishment. She definitely has that like old and grizzled veteran sort of vibe to her. She's Probably not even that old though. But like she's at the top of the chain. Everyone respects her. But she still yearns for those old days where she got to go on cool adventures and shit. But she's hanging out at the local lesbian bar to get wasted and get some fuck because she's also trying to live her best life. And June is a bartender there because she's also living her best life and picking up hot women at the bar. They used to fuck. And what I get from this is that the most debilitating thing about Tufts blindness is that she doesn't know when she has gnarly hickeys and she shows them off to the whole world including her co-workers people just take a long time to tell her that she has them and that she should cover them up so some new girl shows up at the bar and june's like oh she seems like your type and it's a good line about the new girl Her voice is kind of Sinaijatov's ears, but at the same time, it's full of minute croaks and wobbles held forcibly together like a broken bone in a cast. Mm, There's something about a simile with good imagery that gives me such a writing boner. Uh ah. the girl introduces herself as Nang but Toph is a little suspicious. She's easily able to figure out that she's a firebender by smelling her and like feeling her body temperature and they hook up because that's just Toph's life. It skips the sex scene and gets right to Toph waking up afterwards and there's this whole thing about how she doesn't like sleeping in beds and that adulthood means owning your own furniture, quote whether you want it or not. <laughs> so she's awake and she realizes it smells like smoke little too much like smoke and then she realizes that her hookup buddy is gone and she hears a crash come from somewhere and she's really out here like wow this girl fucked me and then she burned my house down. She does a check on her way out and all the shit from her early cases is gone. I guess in this AU, Ozai was a serial arsonist with a cult and the girl just you know, she just took all that shit from that file and suddenly tossed like oh shit, Azula, right. That bitch. She burned some shit too, but she was like under her father's influence and a minor, so we just sent her to the asylum instead of to jail. And she's just like i just fucked zula sweet oh hell yeah i'm getting a sequel to the case of my glory days my life has meaning again and she calls up june who says and i quote it's a quarter to five what the absolute fuck do you want you gremlin oh that's a good line <laughs> gotta start using that What the absolute fuck do you want you gremlin so here's how this ends you insured your shit right june asks tough nods so you can get it all back that's a relief tough sighs. coughs. starts to think that she might need to submit to one or two paramedics wills to check her over after this i don't know that it is she says i do feel relief right now but it's for the opposite reason this this is the perfect chance to leave all that stuff behind well i don't have room for you at my place june says so you're gonna have to find somewhere else to live or i could just work the case. There's a pause. Toph interprets it as doubt, but there's one thing guaranteed to make June more amenable to any proposal, and Toph's not above playing that trump card. Not when she's as set on doing something as she is right now. The insurance will pay me enough to hire a partner on this, she says. Long case, high profile, You do you know anyone who'd want a gig like that? Tough can hear the smirk in June's voice. You're really dropping your whole life to pursue a girl you fucked once. It's not like that. I'm going after a criminal A criminal who seemed to have made an impression on you in the sack. And I mean that literally. Put a damn scarf on. Fuck you. Been there, done that. Maybe I just have mild burns on my neck. That's a new kink for you. For my house burning down around me. You- Tuff reaches out to punch her in the shoulder. June anticipates the blow and begins to step aside. So Tuff's fist only skates off the side of her arm. Well, whether you're chasing a hookup or an arrest or both, I was right about one thing. June says, she's exactly your type wow so tough azula fellas i guess well never actually was explicitly stated that it was azula tough june two in one enjoyed the characterization on this one it made me like tough june more like just as work partners and not necessarily as a ship i've seen another one of them working together I, i fuck with that i love that she's also just like cool my house burned down this is fantastic actually i feel revitalized like totally unironically azula is such a cocky bitch too she just goes right up to the lead investigator who took her down once her and then burns her house down i wish i had that much confidence dear god so this next fic is another surprise pairing it just goes to show how fucking weird humans are and not in the way that i usually mean when i talk about humans being weird on the show we start off with may's brother tom thomas fiance hi who's an earth peasant sneaking over to visit may's shrine they live in like the former colonies or something once the fire nation fell in this au and may's dead and she's been dead for 15 years and the fiance asks for her blessing in marrying tom tom and some freaky ghost shit happens like the knife resting on the shelf falls over without anyone touching it and tom tom's all like oh she put that her weapon that means she likes you if my racist parents take the news of us getting married half as well we'll be fine so it skips to yukano may's dad thinking about when his family fled from the fire nation and how his son's now getting married and according to tradition siblings get married in their birth order and may die unmarried so you'd think that would be a problem but it isn't and this is an actual thing a chinese ghost marriage people are fucking weird like i already think their regular marriage is weird and ritualized and artificial but today i learned that dead people get married in some cultures can you all believe that oh my god people are fucking crazy so Yukano goes to see someone to arrange a marriage for him. and The guy he talks to is a poor farmer, also a refugee from the Fire Nation, and he has a dead son who served in the military. So Yukano agrees that the dead boy will marry his daughter. But it's all a scam. The matchmaker and the farmer are in league, and the guy goes back to grab some random urn from, like, his fucking shed or something he has no idea whose ashes they are and he does not give a fuck because it's not like ghost marriage is real anyways so mae's family does the marriage ceremony and it skips to mae's ghost forming because she's being called into the physical world and the ghost of whoever the fuck's in the other urn also forms and she's like oh shit it's a water tribe motherfucker i don't like them dudes and they both summon their weapons from the ether out and start hacking at each other and they notice that something's pulling them together and they start attacking that but it fails pretty miserably the mysterious red line pulling them together makes them kiss because it's a fucking perverted ass red spirit line and as they like kind of like fuse she learns that she's marrying Sokka. and here's a fucking quote Sokka had never been a great warrior as much as he wanted to live up to his father's legacy but he had survived up to the retaliatory invasion when he took a fireball to the gut on the shores of capitol island and died over the course of an agonizing 10 minutes before a healer could get to him Sokka has not been getting a break these last few episodes, dear god. So they both start screaming and Mei just screams so loud people hear it in the physical world and then she just comes to haunt the shit out of everyone. She's fucking pissed. Luckily Hai, the brother's fiance, comes to the rescue and she literally like beats the fused ghost of May and Sokka away from her with a stick while she goes to the shrine and does some shit to banish it from the physical world. So now Saka and May are stuck together for all eternity. So they decide they have to make the best of it. And then they get to know each other a bit. And it just ends with them having a chat. My god. (laughs) <laughs> unique concept humans are fucking weird we invent shit like ghost marriage uh, i like this author too we've talked about their zao UA fic in the last rare pair episode just some pretty different stuff they do and they have a lot of long fics too i feel like i haven't had the stamina for that type of stuff but maybe one day i will and i'll come back and, and review one of their kind of longer fics because i do like this writer so now we're gonna get to our kind of more explicit stuff in, in, in this one in, in which Beto just needs to get get fuck over his internalized homophobia so Beto and Dakota like to meet up at night and Beto's being a little bitch about it like oh I'm so nervous even though you know we fuck a lot I'm so embarrassed to be a tall bottom <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> he says he thinks about it as a sick perverted fetish like bro calm down it's okay to want to get dicked down by another dude like, especially if that dude's a coda, It's it's all good. I don't know why they have to hide their gay shit from everyone. Like, you're the chief and the second in command. You get to do whatever the fuck you want. I mean, like, probably not to the same degree that Ozzy gets to go fuck the prisoners. But I think they could come out and people would be okay with it. And there probably wouldn't be, like, an uprising or anything. A coda's a little bit creepy and possessive, though. But I guess that's just what they do in bed. So it's fine. It gets Beto off. Let's talk about some quotes briefly. He admired his friend's soft skin and toned abs. Friends! Just, y'all are literally having gay sex. Y'all are a little more than friends. Custom oil he crafted just for this event. Oil being something you craft. Just thought that was a strange word choice. And, and sex as an event. Also strange word choice. So when they done fucking, they're just like... Fuck this shit. We both sick of hiding our little rendezvous, and the whole tribe can find out if they want. We gay keep scrolling, but it just kind of ends there, and there's nothing that happens with that. So that was a quick one, I guess. But this one, um, I've had my eye on this author for a while, cause she is a fic I'm looking to do a fun for the whole family episode on once it's done. But for today's selection, we're not gonna be discussing any incest, cause oh my god, this person's OTP. Yeah, Azula Ozai not a rare pair because fuck you why else but you thought i was gonna say that's why but why else they said about their otp yes i'm serious fight me and i will fight you but just because i want to throw down not because you have a really shitty otp i just want to get in a ring with someone and we'll beat shit out of each other i would like to fight you author formerly known as gangsta aragorn69 just for funsies though anyway today i'm going to be pulling selections from a collection of standalone chapters this person wrote kind of like what we did with that katang fan ficker one from rappers 2 so my dumbass is also just so sad that they didn't get to the kota ozai chapter that they promised like i think i started screaming and tearing in my screen you sick fucks all about ozai raping his kids but y'all can't make room for your pal wenchicus thauticus's double deal fower come on guys there is a lot of ozai in this fic as you may have already guess from what I've said about the author and also if you've listened to the show before like perhaps even have eyes that function to see that skinny pea, the podcast mascot is actually just ozai wearing a sideways hat and shutter shades there has truly been an uncharacteristic lack of ozai in this episode so far but that's about to change and there's a lot of june in this fake june is a horny motherfucker she just wants into everyone's pants left and right and speaking of both those motherfuckers here's the chapter where june makes a deal with the devil so ozai has now hired june to capture the avatar and she's like "Oh, bitch won't pay me up front i was like why why are you being so stingy you probably have like infinite money the only reason zuko out here doing so good as a teenager young adult whatever he is when he gets to the throne is because he got a rich daddy and the only good thing i ever did for zuko was have money so june's like i think i could convince you to pay me half up front if you get what i'm saying spicy boy and she's got some goddamn nerve like i bet i can make the most powerful man in the world beg for my pussy but ozai ain't having it (laughs) he's like this is a fucking quote impudent peasant i am gonna fuck you so hard you won't be able to walk for days just the tonal shift from his stupid ass grandiose speech patterns to i am gonna fuck you so hard dirty talk fucking this guy i can't Jet May, our next chapter here. May gets arrested for trespassing in Jet's wood. This motherfucker be all like, What are you doing in my swamp? And she's like, uh, I doubt that it's your swamp. And he's like, It's mine because I said so. And she reveals that she's from the Fire Nation. So he asks if she's a firebender. And she's like, God damn it, Shrek, you dumbass. I would have burned through these ropes that you so sexily tied me up in if I was a firebender. And then they just bond over bondage and she says that she bites. But there's no sexually explicit scene, which is rare for this fic. Jed is such a fuckboy and I will say it until I die. I just want the scene where she's like, uh, you have to take the damn weed out of your mouth if you're gonna give me head. I don't want that shit going up my coochie, but it doesn't happen. It's sad, really. Next chapter... Suko June. June is a horny motherfucker. I already said that, but it needs to be emphasized. Suko is busy being a sad emo angst baby after failing to capture the avatar. Again, uh, he gives June her money, but she wants to stick around because she wants to smash. Look, I'm not surprised that she wants to fuck a teenager. I'm just surprised that she wants to fuck ponytail Zuko. Like, we don't make enough honor jokes on this show or face burning jokes, but most of all, we definitely do not make enough ponytail jokes. She's like, How old are you, Prince? And he's like i'm 18 i'm legal and she's like no you're not not that i care like have you ever fucked before and zuko's at least not stupid enough to lie again so they fuck and she thinks he does pretty well for a virgin and when they <laughs> when they finish she's like how about round two hand me my whip it'll be better that way and it just fucking ends uh rip in peace Sokka ursa next one soccer gets dumped Because Suki left him for a woman. Sorry, you dated lesbian Saka, but you get some milf action, baby. I guess this is his break from dying a horrible, painful death and then getting ghosts married. So. That's nice. It's me and Zuko's engagement party, and he's being a little sad boy, but Zuko's like, hey, I just wanted you to meet my mom. I know she will cheer you up. Zuko, are you whoring off your mother, or do you mean that in a non-sexual way, even though it ended up being sexual? Sokka starts putting the goddamn moves on her. Not like he's very smooth or anything, but Ursa finds his awkward flirtation endearing. They lean in for the kiss, but Zuko shows back up. But once he leaves again, Ursa's just like, come to my room tonight, and Sokka's like, uh yes mommy oh my god just your rebound relationship is with your best friend's mom i'm just i'm dead or so why are you preying on younger men like let's not pretend this is any better than if it was a younger woman and older man but oh my god. Suki just be hoeing around in these. This one's Suki Aang. It's only a few days before Susan's comment and Suki shows up in Aang's room to soothe his nerves. I really don't think this is good timing, Suki. Like the kid's already got enough to worry about getting into a relationship, fucking his best friend's girlfriend. That's just some unnecessary drama, I think. He's already angsting over having to kill a man. I think he should just stay out of it. But Suki goes in there hoping to smash, and Aang is a bit hesitant, but she drops her robe and he's like, oh, she's looking pretty damn good. So they fuck, and Aang does a bit better than you'd expect him to, and all the while, Suki's like, shh, nobody has to know about this. But it ends with Sokka just walking in on them. I really do love the trope where people walk in on motherfuckers having sex. It's, It's one of my favorites, and there is a chapter that's just Sokka and everyone else's, too. It's their reactions, and some highlights include... You molested the avatar? Aang, I will kick your skinny ass. Aang, you little shit. You're both sluts. Oh my god. Bad idea, Suki. I don't know why you thought that was just no it's just a terrible idea you know what else is a terrible idea fucking pairing katara with ozai that's a terrible idea you know we had to do it to him i'm not even sure if this is a rare pair though to be honest i mean on our own there's not much stuff for them but oh man on fanfic.net, don't even get me started because i can and have talked for hours about that shit. Oh, so Zuko just delivered his as a gift for his father, which was what happened the last time I did guitar Ozai on their show, which is two episodes ago. What is it with this fan of a guitar getting kidnapped and like sold into slavery or whatever? So Ozai is actually not a complete fuckwaffle to her here at first, at least he's like hey you want some food you want a bath i won't be in the bath with you it's just it's just a bath to clean yourself and she's like well yeah and he invites her to dinner and makes her wear like a skimpy dress naturally but she's like yeah whatever fuck this a bitch gotta eat uh this scene actually made me kind of hungry not gonna lie i have like one meal a day plus some snacks i gotta stop that shit y'all don't want to hear about my eating but i i it's not good the guitar just fucking devours everything like a rabid animal. She does not give a flying fuck what I thinks of her, which is beautiful. And they don't serve her water. They're out here pouring bottles of wine and she just chugs the wine, which is the wenchy cathodicest experience. Like just chugging wine, even though you're supposed to politely sip it. Katara drinks six glasses of wine and she's just drunk as fuck. Also me, because Ozai just makes me want to drink copious alcohol. She starts getting a little flirty, not really noticing that her titties be hanging out of her shitty little dress. It describes his hair as as smooth as melted chocolate. Like, I'm already hungry, now y'all out here trying to make me even hornier for Ozai. As if that's possible. She asks him what's for dessert, and you know what this fucking creep says? He says, you, you are for dessert. So yeah, this it takes this drunken teenager back to his room and fucks her, even when she realizes that she doesn't like where things are going. Uh, Zuko's pretty horrible here too. He doesn't join in or anything, but he's like, oh ho ho, this girl's so drunk it's real funny that, that that's about to rape her, oh my god. <sighs> Ugh. Also her titties are hanging out. <laughs> yeah so um that's your obligatory guitar design, i guess this one's tough which is weirder to me i've only seen this once before in episode five and there are only two things i'm gonna say about that now so listen up y'all one titty fucking two thank you fappy for saving my life so this is a fire nation wins au and you know how tough family are some rich bitches well they like let's get on this phoenix ass motherfuckers good side why don't we promise him our 16 year old daughter's hand in marriage so tough's not into it at first but she's like you know what there are worse things than being married to the most powerful man in the world she gets a handmaiden upon arriving at the palace and the maiden like calls her m'lady <laughs> they go through the scene for getting ready for the marriage and, and tough being like i ain't wearing no bitch ass shoes and the handmaiden being like oh, but the phoenix king he well Link, you of poor manners and she's like yeah bitch I have shit manners but you gotta deal with it and they actually kind of get along when they meet he's intrigued by her and her like not wearing shoes and for some reason didn't know that she was an earthbender and then we just gotta skip to their wedding night like I love their interaction to be honest this is making me want more fix where they interact not where they fuck but just where she does shit to piss him off I'm just gonna read this quote on the night of their wedding, Ozole was very eager to take his new bride to bed. For several minutes, he waited, growing rather impatient. The sight of her soon made him forget why he had been upset in the first place. Toph was very pleasing to the eye, as always. Her raven hair had been taken down, and he noticed that it reached her hips. She wore a simple white nightgown, made of satin, and only reaching her upper thighs. She stood there, twiddling her thumbs nonchalantly, as if waiting for an invitation. She seemed uninterested and not nervous, like most young girls. Is this the part where I'm supposed to sleep with you? Toph asked bluntly. This made Ozai laugh for the first time in months. Was she truly that obtuse or just attempting humor? Either way, it was amusing. Yes, you are supposed to sleep with me, the Phoenix King clarified. Okay, then, she replied simply. Top bounced onto the plush bed, much like a child, and she flopped onto her back and sprawled out in a rather obnoxious manner. Yeah, this'll do, she stated, folding her arms underneath her head. Ozai sank on top of her, using his strong arms to support himself so he wouldn't put too much weight on her small frame. He trailed. Kisses down Toff's neck and chest, which he thought would serve to excite her a little. However, they quickly began to bore her. <laughs> it was like I could tell of course, and he proceeded to rip her clothes off, making her gasp in surprise and delight. Nobody had ever done that to her before. I just love how few fucks she gives, and he also he just laughs for the first time in months. He must be fucking miserable, even though he just you know conquered the world and that's what he wanted. Then he's like, "You was hot, baby," and she's like, "Are you hot?" And he's like, w- "What do you mean?" And she's like, I- "I'm I'm blind. You know that, right?" So she touches his face for a while, and she's like, "Yeah, you're pretty hot. I guess it was like plucks his eyebrows." I, I, let me just also say. What a waste it is to pair Ozai up with someone who's blind. Like his physical appearance, it's only good quality. Just what a waste. So this chapter was way less upsetting than the Katara one. He's actually gentle with her and gives some care for her comfort when she doesn't enjoy it. He's like, it's better the second time. Not even in like a yeah, let's fuck some more way, but more like, I'm sorry you didn't enjoy it, way. Uh, and she's like, yeah, tell me about it, stud. And she, literally, she says, prove it. Fucking yes, Ang June this one june is still being a horny motherfucker and Angus is an adult here thank fuck he's having family difficulties with her katara being like all hormonal and pregnant and he just wants to get out of the house for a drink and then june shows up and you know how she is just as hot as ever so he buys her a drink and he's so fucking drunk he starts bitching about his life to her and then june's like hey why don't you go to my place and Angus is just oblivious motherfucker so she just spells it out for him an actual quote: so i can fuck your brains out and Aang's just like Yeah, probably misheard that, but they do fuck. And June likes it rough, but, like, Aang still has the big stupid. It also says that Katara doesn't like it rough because she's a feminist. (laughs) As if that has to do with anything. (laughs) To me, feminism is sexually liberating yourself. So, sexually liberate yourself, Katara. It's what your husband's doing. So... The last one, Tylee and Suki, in which Suki is lonely because Sokka went on a hunting trip with his dad for several weeks. So Tylee comes over and this bitch be like, it's time to get wasted. I love how many of these are, like, are just everyone being drunk. A few drinks later, they fuck in, and it says that Suki always fakes her orgasms with Sokka and looks for every excuse not to have sex with him. Rest and piss, Saka. He got his break with Ursa taking an interest in him. But now it's back to being ridiculed and, and just suffering. I don't get the whole faking orgasms thing. It's dishonest and you ain't gonna build trust in each other and have a healthy relationship if, if you do that. I've never faked an orgasm and I don't want to make you feel good about yourself or a fake accomplishment. So fuck that. But yeah, Suki's just out here discovering she's a lesbian like in every chapter except the one where she fucked dang. But like, nice. Lesbians actually get to have orgasms, so like maybe consider fucking a woman if you haven't done that yet. It's a good time. I'm here for that. So that's the fucking episode. Hope y'all found some new pairings you might like. Let's collectively just stop writing Zutara and instead write about pairings like these. Underappreciated. Unique stuff here. So today we covered Snow by Overlithe, Rematch by Mercuriosity. Sokka and Dozy People by Rapho Baffo. Captive by Brelis. Something Old, Something New by Azar Darkstar is Lullaby by Henry Mercury, Secret Poems by an Orphan Account on AO3, Till Death to Do Us Start by a Loopy, The Courtesan's Dance by Kit Kat Alice, and some selections from Lust by Illusion of Serendipity. The bar is low is on Instagram. You can find us at the bar is low with an underscore in between each word. Follow us, you'll know what's coming up next. Feel free to get in contact with me if you have a fic to suggest. If you want to leave a rating or review on iTunes, that'd be real cool I'm not gonna beg you for five stars give me however many damn stars you think I deserve and as always I'm your pal Wenchikas this is the bar is low thank you for joining me and that's all for today